Hallelujah. My title today of my message is God Still Requires Righteousness. God Still Requires Righteousness. And my scripture, I have several scriptures, but my main scripture is Deuteronomy 6, 20 through 25. We'll be reading it now. That's Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, 20 through 25. When your son asks you in time to come, saying, What is the meaning of the testimonies, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders before our eyes, great and severe, against Pharaoh, Egypt, and Pharaoh and all his household. Then he brought us out from there that he might bring us in. I like that. He brought us out that he may bring us in. Hallelujah. To give us the land of which he swore to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God, for our God always, for our God always, that he might preserve us alive. Let's read that again. I didn't say it right. And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God, for our, for our good always that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. Then it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all these commandments before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. So we look at it, at these scriptures. God brought them out of Egypt with a mighty hand. He didn't do it simply. He made a statement. He made a statement when he did it. When God does something, you know it's God because he'll make a statement that it's him. And I believe in this new thing that the God is going to do. It's going to be God doing it. Yes. He may use man, but you're going to know God was in it. God did it. You're not going to have a question about it. They knew that they had nothing to do with it, that God did it with a mighty hand. Second, he brought them out so that he could bring them in. You can't bring somebody in to anything unless you're bringing them out first. Yeah. And he, bring, he brings us out of sin and, and takes us into righteousness. Hallelujah. Next, he commanded them to obey the statutes or ordinances so that Israel would fear him and that he may preserve them alive. He did these mighty things so that they would revere him. They would honor him. They would know his greatness and worship him because they were sinners. They had to be reminded over and over and over by the mighty acts of God. Lastly, it was accounted for them for righteousness by keeping the word of God, by keeping God's commandments, keeping his rules, keeping his statutes. It was counted, accounted for them for righteousness. Now, righteous means a right standing with God. If a person is righteous, they have a right standing with God. Righteousness is a life environment. Bishop preached about it being like a circle. A circle is an environment around us. It's like a circle. That's righteousness. It surrounds us. It's our environment. The Lord could not dwell among them without righteousness. He could not dwell there without righteousness. Now the Lord gave the law to the children of Israel, but they could not keep the commandments fully. So they continually fell out of righteousness. James 2.10, the second chapter, the 10th verse of James. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point... He is guilty of all. So they could not keep it all. It was more than they, they could handle in themselves. 
In Galatians 2, 21 says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness came through the law, then Christ died in vain. Here we have two witnesses that says the law could not bring forth righteousness in itself. It just directed Israel how to be in right standing with God. It was just a manual. It was a way of showing them how to live. It was God's grace that made it possible for us to obtain righteousness. It's God's grace that gives us the ability to obtain righteousness. Throughout the years from Moses on Mount Sinai and to the day of Isaiah, Israel went so far away from God. All through those centuries, they were up and down in their servitude toward God. They had a good king that loved the Lord. They would all follow him. They had a bad king that didn't love the Lord. They would go their way. Whatever the, the pendulum swang. It swang or how you swing? Swung. Swung. <laughs> Whatever was going on. Whatever was going on, that's how they were. They did not seek God for themselves. They allowed the priest to tell them everything, to remind them of things. And how is that today? Oh, we wait for the pastor to correct us. Or we wait for the pastor to tell us, the preachers to tell us how to live when it's all in the Word of God. They were up and down. In, the, in Isaiah... In the book of Isaiah, the Lord God is reminding them for their sin through his prophet. In Isaiah 52, 11, the Lord is reprimanding the priests and the Levites. Isaiah 52, 11, it says, Isaiah 52, 11, Depart, depart, go out from there. Touch no unclean thing. Go out from the midst of her. Be clean. You who bear the vessels of the Lord. Notice they were saying, God was telling them, depart from it. Depart from sin. Keep my word. Keep my word. A side note here I have here. I feel that that verse is crying out to the clergy of America. Notice I'm saying the clergy are those so-called pastors and so-called ministers of the gospel. Telling them, depart, depart. Go, go out from there. Touch not the unclean thing. Go out from the midst of her. Be clean, you who bear the vessels of the Lord. Next, let's turn to Isaiah 64, 1 through 7. Now, this is a scripture that Pastor Thad pre preached on. One of these scriptures is Pastor Thad uh, in, in Isaiah 64 last Wednesday night, I think it was. It was Wednesday or Saturday or it was last week anyway. Isaiah 64, 1 through 7. Let's read it. 1 through 7, oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence, as fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things for which we did not look, you came down, the mountains shook at your presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you who acts for the one who waits for him. I like that. You can mark that. He acts for the one who waits for him. You meet him who rejoices and does righteousness, who remembers you in your ways. You are indeed angry, for we have sinned. 
In these ways we continue, and we need to be saved. Verse 6, but we are all like unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. And there is no one who calls on your name, who stirs himself up to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have consumed us because of our iniquities. How true this scripture goes for today. As I said, Pastor Thad used this scripture last week. God was saying that our righteousness is like filthy rags. Sin and guilt had left Israel like soiled underclothes. That's what my commentary says, soiled underclothes. Another thought that Pastor Thad brought out, and as a woman, I feel like I can do it. Another thought for filthy rags was like a woman's dirty menstrual cloths used in that day. This is how the Lord saw their unrighteousness, and he related it to the prophet. The prophet Ezekiel, this is interesting here, the prophet Ezekiel said this in Ezekiel 16.6, and I think it goes along with a thought. And when I passed by you, Ezekiel said by the prophet, by the Lord, this is the Lord speaking, and when I passed by you and saw you in your own blood, I said to you in your blood, live. Yes, I said to you in your blood, live. Unquote. When you, Jesus was on the cross, this is what the Lord gave me when Pastor Thad was talking about all this dirty stuff. When Jesus was on the cross with blood all over him, that blood represented our blood that was stained with sin. We can't be clean in ourselves, nor can we be free from unrighteousness. Let's think about the reproductive system. Now, this is what the Lord was saying to me while he was preaching. Let's think about the reproductive system of a woman and compare it to what Jesus did for us. The woman's body cleanses itself through ministration to remove all unproductive eggs and excess blood. Jesus took on himself the filthy rags of mankind's sin and paid the penalty of it by dying on the cross. In a woman, if her egg is fertilized by a man's seed, she will bring forth a child. By the Holy Spirit of God, Jesus was resurrected from the dead and became the very seed of God that was planted into the heart or soul of every believer in Christ. The result in each believer becomes a child of God. Through that, we become a child of God. God says to every re regenerated child of his, live. He's telling us every day when we get up, he says, live, my child, live. And so many times we listen to the devil and we say, oh, this hurts and that hurts. And oh, I don't feel good and I don't this and I don't that. And God is saying, don't worry about that anymore. Live, my child, live, my child. That is spiritual reproduction. Hallelujah. What Jesus did on the death and resurrection was spiritual reproduction of a family of God. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Philippians 3, 9 gives us an explanation of why no one before Jesus could be free from unrighteousness. It says, And be found in him, who's talking about Christ, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law. Our own righteousness was, is from the law, trying to do right in ourselves. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness, which is from God by faith. Our righteousness comes by faith. 
The law was man living right in his own power. The law could not bring forth righteousness, only our faith in Jesus. Man could not keep the law in himself. Jesus was the only one that kept his father's words. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 tells us that God made Jesus sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He became our righteousness and through him, the living word, we were made righteous. Only through faith did Noah and Abraham and men before the law could obtain righteousness. Now they were before the law. They didn't have the law. God didn't require the law out of them. He required faith. That's what he does to us today. Hebrews 11:7 says this, By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to to faith. Hallelujah. Matthew 3, 15, 3, 15 tells us that even Jesus had to fulfill the Father's plan for righteousness by him being baptized. He had to fulfill righteousness through his baptism. As we read through the New Testament, we see and know that we become righteous when we accept by faith that Jesus took our sin on the cross. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, righteousness is now ours. But the apostle warns the church about apostasy or abandonment of the doctrines of righteousness. In 2 Corinthians 6, 11 through 18, and chapter 7, the first verse, Paul explains in, in being the apostle of the day for the church of that day. And let's read that. Let's go to 2 Corinthians Sixth chapter, 11 through 18, and then 7, 1. Somehow I'm on the wrong one here. That's the wrong one. Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians 6, 11 through 18, and then 7, 1. O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us but you are restricted by your own affections. Listen to that. We are, you are restricted by your own affections. Now in return for the same, I speak to you, speak as to children. You also be open. He says, be open to what I'm saying. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be, and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Chapter 7, 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, 
perfecting holiness in the fear of God. The last verse tells us to cleanse ourselves from all filthy, filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Through following after unrighteousness by conforming to the world, we find ourselves full of filth in the spirit and the flesh. Because of it, the church today is going through hardships of the world because we have left holiness and the fear of Almighty God. In 2 Samuel 7, 14, the prophet Samuel is speaking to David about keeping covenant with God. It says, and here I want you to notice that God is, is warning David. He's warning David that he must live righteous. God, he's warning, because he's given a covenant with David over the kingship. It says, I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. Notice how God chastens. With the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. Why is the church being threatened by this world and they are giving us mandates, which is against our constitution even? It's because the church is full of sin and worldliness and, ha and has left the covenant of the doctrines of Christ and his apostles. God is love and will always be love, but he will allow man to be chastened by man because when God chastens us, oh, he'll open the earth and you'll be swallowed up. He's being kind. You read the scriptures. He's being kind by letting man chasten us. That is the answer to many Christians' questions when they see chastisement happening. It's right there in Samuel. I mean, yeah, in Samuel. Writings. Throughout the centuries since Christ, the church has been punished by evil men or gone through difficult times because the church fell away from the principles of God's holiness. There was a time of, we studied in the history in school, the dark ages, when man, the word of God was dark. It was not being preached. It was all just religion. Christianity was just all religion, and man was so corrupt at that time. The, the clergy was so corrupt at the time. No holiness. The people, they treated the people horribly. The government did. The church did. It was a hard time for the church because they allowed man to pull them away. God does not change. He always deals with mankind the same way. Unless there is true repentance of the body of Christ, revival of our God intervening in our behalf will not be possible. When Israel repented, God intervened in their situations. We have been praying for God's almighty hand of revival to fall. Or we have been praying for the Lord to bring forth the last day harvest. But it won't come until we turn back to God's word and we quit listening to man's information. I really love that message of Brother Andreas Sunday that he gave us. And last night was marvelous too on the fire. 
but man's information. We listen too much, listen too much to man's information. We don't listen to God's information, which is the word of God. The body of Christ is full of fear and has no faith. We all want our lives to be like it was a year and a half ago. But it will never be like it was without a God intervention. The church has been complacent, content, and self-righteous. The Lord has called our hand. The Lord has called our hand. 1 Peter 4.17 tells us, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? The church is looking, the Lord, excuse me, is looking to the church. He's looking to us. He is requiring a lifestyle of righteousness out of us. He is requiring Christians to return to the faith. Have you returned to the faith? Where is your faith? Is faith in man's information? Or is it in the word of God? What God has told us that he will do for his church and how he will give us a good life if we just follow after righteousness. And he's given us Jesus Christ. It's not hard like it was then. Now through Jesus Christ, we can live righteous. He gives us the ability in him to live righteous. What is your excuse then? Why are you full of sin, O church? You have fallen away. You have backslidden. You need to come back to God. So what is the answer? Jesus is always the answer. First, the body of Christ needs to look into, into ourselves and then repent. We need to look at ourselves. Then take time say, God, I'm wrong. I turn from this uh, era of information of the world, from this lifestyle of listening to only what the world says. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Then he told us in Matthew 6, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to us. After we repent, we are to seek God's righteousness, seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Then he'll take care of everything else. He'll take care of the mandates. Don't worry about the mandates. He'll take care of the mandates. Put your faith in him. Put your faith in him. Hallelujah. And verse 34 tells us to not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will, will worry about its own things. That's what it's really saying there. Tomorrow will worry about its own things. God's grace is sufficient for all the things that come our way tomorrow. Just like his grace took care, is taking care of today. Today's a good day. Tomorrow will be a good day. The next day will be a good day. Because I am living in the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. It takes faith in God's word for righteousness to work sufficiently. Just like it took faith for the Old Testament. Believers, the Old Testament believers, it took faith for them. And faith for the New Testament believers, they had to use faith as well. And it will still take faith for righteousness to be alive in this modern day church. 
Amen. 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 What's it going to take? Faith. Faith. Hallelujah. For us to, to obtain this righteousness, to keep walking in this righteousness, faith in his word, faith in his promises, faith that he saved us, faith that he's coming back for us, faith that he's going to take care of each minute of the day. Be totally committed to him. Hallelujah. Father, we just love you. We thank you, Lord God, that you look after us and you care for us just like you did Israel. You care for us every minute of the day. When we wake up in the morning, you're there. When we go to bed at night, you're there watching over us. We thank you, Lord. We praise you for it. We thank you, Lord God, that you took away all the filthiness of the flesh and gave us the righteousness of Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being, becoming sin for us. And thank you for giving in us your righteousness. Oh, we just love you, Lord. We just praise you for it, God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for your word is always abides within us. It will not return void. And it's life to our spirit and medicine to our flesh. We thank you, Lord, that we are not in defeat. We are not in ignorance, but we know whom we believeth. We know in whom we believeth and am persuaded that he is able to keep us against that day. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. You're able to keep us. We thank you, Lord, and we glorify you for it. And we give you praise. We ask you, O Holy Spirit, to go with us as we go into prayer now for the prayers of the people, of the needs of the people. There's many that are so sick. There's many, oh God, that's got a, got a deadly disease. But God, you're still on the throne, Lord Jesus. You're sitting at the right hand of the Father. Make an intercession for us. And we, as your church, can declare healing to these people. We can declare that their lives and the situations and the, uh, the problems in their life are being solved right now. And we thank you, Lord, and we praise you for it. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Isn't God good? Hallelujah. Hallelujah.